Hey, Bobby here. Welcome to Quotalist, where software sales leaders and professionals share ideas to help you master your mind, your business, and your time. Remember, when we embrace practice, develop awareness, and align our efforts, we can rise above the deal. We can live Quotalist. Hey there, I'm Bobby Dysart, and this is Quotalist. Today's episode is sponsored by my podcasting partner, SalesCast. They offer revenue-first podcasts for entrepreneurs and sales leaders. You can catch me as well as founders Colin and Chris hanging out on Slack in their podcasting community. If you're interested, it's free to join. Just head over to salescast.co. As is customary, uh, on a beautiful Friday afternoon here in Newport, we are going to start with one question trivia. Today's guest, Howard Brown, holds a master's in clinical psychology and practiced as a licensed therapist for years before building B2B software companies. So, Howard, your one question. According to one Harvard study, humans devote 30 to 40% of speech to talking about A, politics, B, other people, C, themselves, or D, the weather? I got to imagine it's C, Bobby. That's right. That's right. Uh, As expected. I passed. I I was getting some of the high school SAT jitters with this multiple choice. So good word. You got it. Yeah, the study revealed individuals place high subjective value on opportunities to communicate their thoughts and feelings to others, and that doing so engages neural and cognitive mechanisms associated with reward. Mm. Bravo, bravo. Makes a Uh, ton of sense. We like to talk about ourselves. That's right. So we're going to talk a little bit about you today, just to uh, just to uh, keep it keep it in line with that. Um, And so before I do, I'll give you a formal intro. Howard, uh, today's guest, is the founder and CEO of Revenue.io, the leading RevOps solution for real-time guidance, a four-time entrepreneur and aforementioned clinical psychologist. Howard's thought leadership on sales, entrepreneurship, and artificial intelligence has appeared on Bloomberg TV, Fox Business, Forbes, Entrepreneur Magazine, and the Wall Street Journal. Howard has been listed as one of the 100 most intriguing entrepreneurs by Goldman Sachs and a top CEO, according to Comparably. Howard, welcome to Quotalus. Well, it's great to be here with you, Bobby. You got it. That was a mouthful, man. You've done a lot in your career. So uh, kudos. And uh, that, was a, that was a fun intro to give. Well, I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed it. I, uh, I struggled through each and every single one of those titles and, and, and processes and hopefully learned a lot. And Hopefully I can impart some of those mistakes on others so that they don't have to make the same mistakes I've made. Beautiful. Well, we'll get into some of those. Let's start with there uh, with something you've learned in the last year. I think, I think you and I haven't, um, I guess, officially talked till um, uh, since November. Um, so I want to start off with just asking, you know, what's, what's one lesson you've learned this year here in 2022? Boy, did I tee you up for that one. Huh? <laughs> you've done this before. You've done this before. So I think the lesson that I learned that's incredibly powerful this year has a lot to do with the value and the lack of awareness of how powerful 
spending time with people face to faces. And I say that coming off of almost two years of working almost entirely remotely. And over the past several months, I've had the opportunity to spend time with any number of members of my team, some of our customers, uh, doing whiteboarding sessions, just hanging out. And the amount of just connection that I feel when I'm spending time in the room with people, um, when I'm iterating, when we're whiteboarding, when we're just hanging out, it's just so important and so powerful. And I think collectively so missed and it's causing so many challenges for each and every one of us, um, society in general, that lack of connectivity, even though we have Zoom, even though we have phones, even though we have emails, the lack of just being in the room with one another, feeling each other, feeling the vibe, giving hugs, like just, it, it is so powerful. And I, 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 what I really walked away from the last few weeks was how important it is to feel gratitude for those opportunities because I took them for granted. I, I, I took the basic, just being with human beings I care about or work with for granted. And I don't ever want to take that for granted anymore. Oh man, me neither. Really got me, got me going right there. Um, just, it just hits like, yeah, I'm, me too, man. I've been there with you too. Uh, the last two years, I think just you can't reflect on it enough and how different it's been and how much Zoom has, you know, as a technology has done a good job of, of, of bridging, um, you know, some face-to-face um, interaction when you can't really be face-to-face. And at the same time, like I've noticed we've sort of gotten to this acceptance of it's a status quo and it's just good enough and we don't pull ourselves into that real face-to-face interaction enough. Um, it sounds like you just did something recently that was particularly um, uh, just noticeable and impactful. I guess, I guess, A, is that true? Like what, 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 what was that? And then B, how have you, how have you taken the step forward to get the team in, in, in person again? Um, cause, cause again, I think from, in my experience, people are just getting real easy and real like, you know, Zoom's good enough. We don't have to get in person. Well, it really started uh, back in October, November with a a sales summit that we had with the team, which actually, Bobby, you recall you were a a speaker um, at that event talking about mindfulness and gratitude and, and, uh, and, and a lot of really important lessons about um, being connected with yourself. Um, which I think the team found incredibly valuable. But getting back, but getting back to the point, it was the first time in a long time we pulled the sales team together. We did a kickoff. We brought other stakeholders from the business um, in. We brought um, customers through Zoom to connect, and it was incredibly powerful because there were people that I simply had never met in person before. I have a tall team. I think the average height of my sales team was like six, two and above. It was just insane. Um, But just doing things together, being together, that was sort of the start of it. And then we had, um, 
we had the customer support summit, we had the marketing summit, we had a sort of a leaders summit. So we've had a variety of different get-togethers. This last week, I had uh, my head of product, my head of engineering, my head of DevOps, um, several different, my head of sales in the office. And we just, we solved problems and we hung out and grabbed lunch. And it was just, it was so good. And we've been doing it <clears throat> about once a week now. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> Sorry about that. We've been doing it about once a week now, just getting together, people fly in. Um, spend time together. It's incredibly valuable. And I feel like we get weeks of work done in hours. Mm. We just solve problems. We don't, we don't have the amount of distractions. We don't have the, oh, I have to end this meeting exactly this time. It allows for freedom of thought, freedom of collaboration, a more acceptance of one another. And you know, the, the personality quirks that we all have, like you're in the room, it's okay. You can be together. You can, you know, take your time. You could do whatever things you do and it's, it's all right. And just the general acceptance when you're together versus a quick zoom meeting, and then I'm on Slack, it's, it's just very different. So I'm super psyched about it. I want to go on and on and on, but it's powerful. Awesome. Yeah, it's really great that you've sped it up to, you know, even even once a week. Um, man, it, it's, it's good leadership for all of us, um, you know, because, again, it's, it's just not easy. And, yeah, like I was there in November and I specifically remember just just the awareness factor for me, just being at like an all time high. Because you just you just don't realize when you're not in those situations how much how powerful they are to, to yeah. use your words. And like, I remember the whole, the whole journey. Um, and I will use that word intentionally. It was a journey, like getting up there into LA and, and making my drive. And then um, so, sort of being one of the first people to arrive alongside Ryan um, at the, at the hotel that you guys were doing it at and just like getting a sense of like what the place was that we were gathering and then everyone kind of trickling in. And then, you know, by the end of it, just, being around, I think it was like 30, 40 folks and um, all the energy that was spent and given to problem solving, to iterating on ideas, to showing what, um, what each individual had been working on. Like it was, it was like, it was just all the feels. It was like, afterwards I was exhausted. I was fulfilled. I was excited. I was all the things. And man, I just remember being like, Whoa, I, I haven't done this in so long. This is so cool. Yeah, I'm so glad you got to be a part of it. And it was a shared experience for everybody that was there. And it's the kind of thing that continues to um, be referenced. It's in the in the group communication. I think everybody feels more connected to one another. And it really serves to build real relationships with folks that had never really connected before, talked about musics, music and the cars they drove and things like that, just things that you don't have time for in your 55-minute Zoom meetings. And so um, that shared presence, that, that ability to connect is really critical in building the culture of teamwork in you know, making sure that you share the same values and same mission, um, because it's easy to forget why you're there and why you're working so hard. And, and if you don't care about the person to the right and to the left of you, it's probably not the right place to be at. There's a lot of other companies that are 
trying to solve really tough problems that may have missions that resonate, you got you to enjoy the people you're around. Number one, number one. That's I think that's a number one learning lesson that I've stumbled upon again and again over the last few years is you got to enjoy the people you're working with because um, there, there's, there's so many options. There's so many places you can go. Um, and it really boils down to, to that. Um, cool. Cool. Well, I want to stay on revenue.io. That's, you know, you have a really, really cool history in psychology and, and sort of getting into um, getting into B2B software. And um, you've had multiple exits. You've been really successful, but um, we only have so much time. And I want to hang on the revenue.io story and some of the work you're doing, um, particularly around, you know, improving sales performance, improving our abilities to listen and, and converse um, by way of technology. So let's just give some context to the story, um, um, to the background of Revenue.io and sort of how we got here today, nine, nine years in. Is that right? Yeah, nine years in. Love to round it up to 10, but we're only at nine. <laughs> That's right. So... Look, I, I care a lot about human connection, as you can tell. I care a lot about communication, and I think it's, it's what makes us unique as human beings, our ability to communicate and problem solve. And we talk a lot about salespeople, um, and people have different ideas, different myths of what a salesperson is. And you know, at the end of the day, the best salespeople I know, they're helpers. Not, not unlike a therapist, they are problem solvers. They, they try their very best to connect people, um, bring solutions and, and be helpful where possible. And they are incredible for the most part, communicators and organizers, but the job has become incredibly difficult. The selling struggles are absolutely real. The, the buyer's don't really want to talk to sellers. When they do, that seller better bring incredible value or they've just ruined the opportunity and potentially their brand for that prospect or customer. So the stakes have never been higher. The pressure has never been higher. Um, it's really easy to educate yourself on all the products and services that exist out there in the world. You go online, you, there's all these review the places where you can review applications or companies prior to even talking to a rep. Um, they're filling out forms or downloading information. They're reading about your product, your competitors. They're well-informed. And now you're going to ask a seller to somehow intervene in that and bring value. And oh, by the way, the person's been with your company for five months and now has a million-dollar quota, and their objective is to sell. It's really not a fair. It's not a fair position to be in. And look, I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I'm not here to, you know, bring empathy and sympathy in for the salesperson. But it's a tough. It's a tough gig. So, what can we do to help sales reps essentially level the playing field? You know, we we, we know that sales training, while great, most of it's forgotten. We, we know that the buyers know more than our sellers know about certainly their business, in many cases, even the seller's product or service. They know about their competitors. How do we help them the most? And like anything, it takes time and it takes training and it takes at-bats to get better. Problem is, 
we don't have time or at bats to get better and still hit our quota. So how do we do it? And we do it by studying the art and science of communication, the art and science of sales, the art and science of the buyer journey. We've always talked about a sales journey, but guess what? Your sales journey isn't the journey that the buyer is on. They are on a unique journey that's influenced by their own needs and desires, their company's needs and desires. And you have to figure out how to bring incredible value in the moment to them. That is the job of a sales rep. And that is what we are incredibly focused on helping sales teams, sales managers, and sales leaders to achieve. I mean, you won't get any disagreement from me, um, particularly even on the uh, the empathy piece, right? Like, um, I think, you know, th- that spans a ton of industries and jobs. Like, it's just a different world here in 2022. Um, and it certainly goes for, for sellers. Um, I love, though, that you put it the way you put it, right? Good, great salespeople are helpers, right? Uh, first and foremost. And there's there's just these new challenges where there's, there's um, there's just walls that are sort of baked in to the buyer seller relationship before it's even started, because mm-hmm. the um, the perceived education of the buyer is just in the control and hands of of not just themselves but everything that's sort of out there on the internet. So um, so I agree with you there. What specifically at Revenue.io? Um, I don't know. I, I guess here I'll ask you this way. A lot of people would agree with you. And there's a lot of people out there wanting to help salespeople. Um, why specifically revenue.io? Like, what, what do you guys maybe do differently that, that aside from the solution, that you're even aware of the real problems? Mm-hmm. You even know what it's like to be out there. Mm-hmm. Well, look, there are a ton of people trying to solve the problem, and there's lots of money being spent on solutions and services and there's a lot of confusion in the marketplace. And quite frankly, there's a lot of disappointment because people buy five, six, seven, 10 different tools on their sales stack, which cost a lot of money. And they are all being promised, or they all are promising a great result for that investment spent. And the truth of the matter is most of that money they're not getting the return on investment that they're promised. What they're getting is another tool that requires sales enablement and sales operations and a Salesforce expert to implement. Then they have to integrate it with the next new tool they bought. Then they have to get a BI team or a data lake to understand the insights. And then they have more job for your sales manager or sales leader. Now they have to spend their time looking for the right calls or coaching or or, or doing things that they were never trained on doing. And that's that's just more, more, more. It's like the olden days, we used to just throw more sales reps. It doesn't matter, just throw more sales reps at it. Just add head count, we'll hit our numbers. We'll, okay, great. So now we're, we realize that capital spent on head count is incredibly expensive. And so we're gonna train them, we're gonna give them more tools. Guess what? That just got more expensive and we need new roles, operations, sales enablement, all of these different things now to enable these tools. And we're still not getting the results. So like we're still barely hitting quota in most cases. And and more people are missing quota than hitting it. So it's not working, right? So- How do we think about it, revenue.io? We study 
every single process, every task, every email, every SMS, every phone call, every Zoom um, recording, we study all of that. And we use artificial intelligence to assess what works and what doesn't. It's brilliantly easy to do it once you have the outcome data. Every phone call, what is the outcome? Did the call progress the opportunity or did it move backwards? That's super easy, right? We have that data. Did it change stage? Did somebody else get invited to the meeting? Did the rep do what they needed to do to move the deal forward? Great. So we're studying that, right? So now you take it across the billion or so conversations that we've recorded and transcribed and analyzed against every outcome, against every human being, against every title, against every personality type. And you start to analyze that data. Obviously, you can't just analyze, but machine learning analyzes it. And then as part of the workflow, we basically present suggestions or predictions or next best actions for the rep. Reps don't want to be data scientists. They just want to know what they need to do next. They want to know how they need to approach this particular customer and what they need to do next. Now we're in a quandary. Great. So I've done all this pre-work. I've even been coached, right? There's call recording stuff out there, conversation intelligence. We've reviewed the game film. Now I'm on the call. I'm talking to you, Bobby trying to tell you what's important, trying to tell you why you need my product or service, and you hit me up with an objection. I've been at the company six months. I have no idea how to address your objection. But do you know what? Somebody at your organization has addressed that objection. Somebody at your organization has delivered the right message, the right objection handling. We surface that information, not after the fact, in real time. So if you think about what we do, it's all about the moments that matter. Sales relationships are all about moments. You string together moments. Those moments build trust. They build relationships. They build great outcomes. On the other side, those moments could be disastrous. So what do we try to do? We try to assess what are the most important moments and how do we help the reps contextually. So I know the situation. This is a, this is a opportunity that's worth $500,000. It's in the fourth stage. We're negotiating. What do I provide that rep to help them? Well, it depends on what the customer or prospect says. We are able to listen in real time and provide prompts based on sentiment, talk rate, based on keywords, based on any number of items that fall into that talk track and then present that information to help that rep. So if you think about the difference between an average baseball player and an all-star, an all-star knows exactly what to do in that moment. They have situational awareness. You got a you got a man on second, you got two outs, balls hit to you. Are you going to third base or are you going to first? You're going to first base, right? The force out. But you don't, that is situational awareness. You don't ask a sales rep to have situational awareness from day one. So we create experts on day one. We help them achieve the kind of results that can, they can only dream about because it's impossible to know all the information. We take, rather than thinking about artificial intelligence, 
we think about augmented intelligence. How do we augment the rep's intelligence for providing them the information they need to deal with that moment? And then they can get creative because reps are brilliantly creative. Most people have creativity. The problem is the role of a sales rep has been sort of put into the silo where you have to do these 12 things. Well, guess what? You've now removed the human out of it. We're trying to make reps more human. We're trying to help them deliver more value. So I just went on and on and on, but I'm super passionate as you can tell. Dude, I love it, man. Just you, this reminds me of when I saw you in November too. Like you were, I think you were like standing up, everybody else was sitting down. You're just getting, getting super fired up about some of the new features that were coming out and some of the, you know, some of the AI stuff that you guys are doing. And no, I love it. I love it. And I actually followed your podcast with your recent one with Jake Dunlap. And you said, uh, you, you, you almost repeated it just now. Um, but I really liked how you put it in that episode. You, you said, use technology. We use this technology to augment the intelligence of sales reps to make them better. That's right. And like, I mean, it's, 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 it's pretty crazy because you're, you're sort of touching on like um, a whole bunch of things, not, not just obviously career development and craft development, but also personal development with regards to people um, getting better at listening, getting better at situational awareness. Um, you know, it's, it's really fascinating. And so what you're saying is the key is you just get all this data from all these past conversations. And at the end of the day, you break it down to which reps handled it best that drove the best outcomes? Uh, yes, absolutely. I, let me give you an, let me give you another example. So, I have a teenage daughter. She's 19 years old. She just finished her freshman year at GW in DC. She's made a decision that her and her boyfriend are going to leave GW, and they've now enrolled in York University in the UK. Great. She made this decision. She brought it home. She's working mom and dad separately. She brings us all together. This was ripe for a really, really difficult conversation. So I sat her down after a few weeks and said, time to talk about the budget, the living arrangements, travel, some of your ideas. Let's all get on the same page. That's the kind of a conversation that could really go badly. My wife comes in. She provides her feedback in the moment. Long story short, the conversation went beautifully. There was, it was hard. My daughter cried. I got upset. My wife chimed in. It was rough, but we had a great outcome. Later that night, my wife said to me, you know what? You did really, really well with that conversation. Thank you so much. And I said, well, Kylie did beautifully and you did beautifully. I said, but do me a favor. Can you tell me what I did, you said I did well, what did I do differently? Because I want to do more of that. Mm. And she's like, let me think about that. I, we'll, I'll think about that tonight and we'll talk about it tomorrow. I woke up in the morning. I said, I want you to understand how important that question was. But I also want, to understand, I want you to understand that what I asked you to do is exactly what our technology does. It literally observes Kylie's interaction, my interaction all the things about our communication in an effort to then tell you what worked and what wasn't working, what helped us deliver that better outcome. So it's the power of communication and how we connect and what works in any situation, not just sales, not just support, not in success, in any human connection. 
right? So that's what our tool does. It studies that, it surfaces the knowledge one step further. The difference is, yeah, that is post game, right? That is the ability to understand after the fact. What we then do is we take those learning moments, we surface what works, and then a moment, it's our product, we have four patents on this real-time technology, literally takes the moment there. And then when I'm out of bounds, let's say I was raising my voice too much with my daughter, or I was using a lot of use statements, or I was being accusatory of something like that, the technology would essentially notify me that I'm out of bounds or that I'm exceeding a comfortable conversation according to how other conversations have gone with my daughter. That is what we have built. So this is an application that can help with recruiting, can help with marriage and family therapy, can help with families. I, I made a joke. Can you imagine if we built our moments application in Google Glass, right? So that when I'm having a conversation with my wife and I see something really stupid, the thing notifies me. That's the power of communication. And that's what we're studying. Mm. Man, man. Yeah, it's really cool. And it does have a ton of different applications. You you made me think of, um, and I, I don't know if this if this does play anything in your technology or philosophy, but when you said you were asking your wife, like, what did I do really well uh, in that conversation with your daughter? Because I want to do more of that. Right. To me, that like brought up this, this sort of... Um, this dynamic of carrot versus stick. Uh, and particularly with sales, I think we too often train by the stick and not enough by the carrot. Um, does, does, do you think about that at all with, um, I guess, and does it play out at all with the technology of like reps that are prone to being more motivated to get better versus reps that are maybe more motivated not to make a mistake? Yeah, look, I think that's always the balance, right? It's it's how do you incentivize people to change? And some people do really well and are motivated by correction and others are motivated by reinforcement of great behavior and figuring out how the technology can work for each individual. So we actually have a mechanism where the rep can provide feedback on whether or not that moment was helpful for them? Or was it a distraction? Because the last thing you want to do is provide another distraction. So we're also, we're not only measuring the outcome of the moment, did it help? Did the person change the behavior? But also the human feedback to that moment, did the rep find that productive? So if it gives you a suggestion, you may want to do this, say this, or talk about this, and that's helpful, that, that moment will go away as you change the dialogue. It will recognize that you're actually taking that instruction and then measure the outcome of that interaction. So think about all the different data sources, right? We know the marketing campaign you came off of. We know the interactions you've had before. We know what kind of communication style you have. I could tell you your vocabulary level. I could tell you how fast you talk when you're excited. Think about all the power in that to match people by personality traits, right? So that I'm only handling calls with people who talk in a similar manner to me. Like there's any number of applications of this, but the idea is test and measure everything and then prescribe. Because if I can help a rep in 65 different ways across how they handle an interaction or an account or an email or a video or a demo, if I could help them just 
the impact of that is remarkable. And so it's the synergistic impact that two plus two is equal 12 that we're really getting at here. And what we found is that reps that actually are utilizing this technology get to a point where they don't want to live without it. I want to go to my next job and have this. Why wouldn't I want to have my guru with me? Why wouldn't I want to have my mentor with me? And by the way, a rep can create their own moments. Because if you've ever walked down a sales floor, you'll notice people put those yellow sticky notes all over their computer, right? With some slogan or saying, or don't forget this. They want to grow. They're a great learner, a great helper, a great healer, a great salespeople. They always want to grow. And so they're investing in their growth. And this allows them to invest in their growth. That it excites me. No, as it should. I mean, you're literally changing people with technology. Um, and um, I, I guess it just brings me, I want a customer story, man. I mean, this sounds all amazing at a high level. And of course, right. Um, if you get enough data and you get it in front of people, like the the hope is that, um, you know, we can communicate better. We can improve, right. You sell this technology, not so that it just is a line item on the budget, but so real change happens at the salesperson level. Um, do you have any examples, teams? You don't have to use customer names or whatever, but just. Um... Yeah, I mean, look, we, we have customers like Fidelity, SAP, Hewlett Packard, Lyft, Boston Scientific, Chow now. They're seeing reduction of onboarding time by close to 76%. So we're talking about people going from a six month ramp to revenue to 45 days. You know what that equates to? $300,000 of productivity per rep. Think about that. It's well, and back to your five month example, it's like, we've all been there as that sales rep who's, you know, five months in gets a really like complicated customer or, or very challenging customer and just feels in over her head. And if you can shave that off by two months or in that five months feel 10 times more confident. Yeah. That's pretty powerful. Yeah. And it's like, it, there is a psychological component to knowing that something has your back. I don't have to be talking to you and searching Slack and opening up LinkedIn and looking for the right battle card. It's all there for you. Like some, it makes you walk into the situation with more confidence. One of the things that I like to joke about is we all have moments in life that we walk away and we're like, oh, wish I handled that moment better. We all have them. I'll put it back to you, Bobby. You, tell me a moment recently that you wish you would have handled it differently. Oh, man, just this morning with my wife. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Yeah. She, we, we were walking to coffee and um, I, I didn't sleep very well last night. And so I was up early. I was a little cranky. And um, I honestly, I was like, man, I just want to walk the dog and go get some coffee and just have a little moment to myself and a little mm -hmm. breather. But she... She gets up just in time to tap me on the shoulder and say, Hey, I want to go with you guys. I'm like, all right. And it should be a really nice thing. And, um, and it, and, and we had a little, we had a little quabble and, you know, I, I can own my reactions. I think, uh, better than anyone, but in that moment, I didn't. She she had ordered a coffee um, that I didn't ask for, and I sort of said something about it in a snarky way, and it it pissed her off. And then I was pissed off that she was pissed off. And next thing you know, we're in an annoying argument Friday morning at nine, and she has to go um, tend to her dad um, for a medical procedure for the whole day. So I'm not going to see her the rest of the day. And it was like, 
was such a bummer way to start my Friday. And as she's leaving, I just grabbed her and hugged her and said, man, like this is, this really sucks. I'm, I fudged up, but yeah, uh, probably, probably TMI, but, but that's, that's an, that's one that happened just this morning that I wish I could take back. No. And it's, that's the thing, right? Like we all have those moments and to know that when you're going off track, that you have something that has your back, right? Like there is a pattern to that communication style that you just exhibited. I guarantee it's not the first time you've done something like that. It's probably, it would, it's probably a pattern. We've got it down pat, the two of us. Right. Little, right. We keep and saying so, we're having the same fight over and over again. So if you can, if you could break into that pattern early enough where it starts to record, maybe your tone changes, maybe your heart, maybe you're speeding up, maybe, maybe you're talking differently. Maybe you're saying certain things. If it could, if you could recognize that and provide just a moment to stop and change directions, it could change your whole day. It can change your wife's day and the, and the care she provides to her dad, right? Like it's, I think you said her dad, right? Like that's yeah. the power of the moment. And when you think about that, it, there was an interesting study that Franklin Covey did. And they, they basically, they contacted uh, executives just after a sales rep had contacted them. The sales rep had in every, in every one of these instances, a sales rep was convinced that the conversation went really great and they created an opportunity. And there's something, and I'm paraphrasing, but there was something like 17,000 follow-up calls they did. 87% of the time, the executive reported that the interaction was completely useless. Think about that. 87% of the time. That means only 13% of the time, the executive found any value in it. And I know you and I have had conversations. What is the most valuable thing we have? It's our time. It yeah. is the time that we each have. We all need to protect our time as best as possible. And as an executive, that is your job is to do the most valuable things with your time to deliver the most value to your company, your shareholders, and, and your team and yourself, hopefully. Now, if a rep calls and provides absolutely no value, and they are considered useless, think about the disconnect. They are creating an opportunity. The executive says, this is useless. We need to help sales reps be useful. We are on a mission to make us useful, to add a lot of technology to help so that reps aren't creating a bunch of opportunities that are in the pipeline, in the forecast, Sales leaders pulling out their hair because there wasn't really any opportunity. How do we help them? And that's mm -hmm. what, that's a core focus for us. Yeah, I mean, I mean you, when I've, you know, I'm obviously very familiar with Avenue.io, worked with you guys in different capacities and um, very familiar with the technology. Um, that said, when I think about it, and even when we're talking about it right now, a lot of times we're talking about like objection handling. And, and to me, that sort of talks about prospecting. Just curious how far the technology has come um, with regards to like all levels of, of sales and the sales cycles. And I'll give you a specific example um, of, you know, and what made me think of this is just 
the the 87% of, of executives feeling like they got their time wasted. Like, I think that what's interesting about that is it's not surprising. And I think it's, it's, it's actually both parties problems. And I'll give you an example. Um, so this was, this was two days ago and we were in the middle of a, we're at the, we're at the one yard line with a really high profile buyer in the last two months with this buyer, I would say has been like a masterclass in both how to buy software and how to sell software, because it's just been pure partnership from beginning to end. Um, a ton of transparency, a ton of collaboration. It's just been, it's been remarkable. And me the whole time, I'm like, man, I can't wait to deploy this customer because we're going to have a really good chance of, of success, of success, right. Of them hitting their outcomes and their goals that they want. And yet the, the call was kind of weird already. It was like this standing call with our CEO and the main champion over there. And the main champion had invited last minute, like five other folks. And so he pinged me and said, Hey, something's up. Like, let's jump in. And, and uh, you know, long story short, it was a pricing question. It was a negotiation question. And it was particularly about if they use the crap out of this, they're scared about year two, year mm-hmm. three. And the price, how our pricing is listed, like if you use the crap out of it, like it's going to cost you some money. Utility pricing. That's right. And so what, what was interesting is our, our main person, he, who again, is just, you know, he's had a, he, he's just been flying the flag of our software and doing, doing such a good job. And he just, it was like, all of a sudden this tension was created where we felt adversarial mm-hmm. and he's just like, and I, and I kind of tried to break it as best I could. And I just go, Hey man, like, what do you want? Like, what, what are you asking for? Mm-hmm. And he was like, that's a really good question. And, you know, he, he just kind of, he was having a hard time articulating what he really wanted. And I can't put my finger on why, but my best sort of awareness of it was like, he didn't understand that like we wanted the deal enough to be super flexible. And there's probably one or two things that we just couldn't do. And then we didn't understand like what, you know, what his level of capacity was for buying. And, Mm -hmm. and so the two of us were just like, there was just this space that neither of us kind of knew how to, uh, to how to close. Mm -hmm. Um, Does the technology solve something as sort of complex and late stage as that? Well, think about what you just described. There is nuance to both sides of that conversation, as well as the other parties that are involved, right? So you have other stakeholders, there, but there is a pattern to what just happened there. And if you think about once you get enough at-bats at this particular stage at this company with this type of buyer, you will start to see a pattern emerge. My mind, given that I've been selling it for a very long time and even used to sell utility type product, went to that person I have, I, I'm hypothesizing that that person was thinking it's just going to get more and more expensive and I'm not going to get the value and it's going to be a cost center. To me, I'm thinking what you guys need to do in that moment is talk about, well, if they're using it more clearly, they're getting more value out of it, which hopefully is helping their business grow or whatever it may be. So there is a coachable moment, whether I'm right or wrong, I hypothesize the beauty of the technology is it will surface that you as the coach can actually suggest that, that that moment comes up and suggest that to the rep when that happens again with that type of buyer. 
And then you'll see whether or not that in fact has a positive outcome or a negative. That's the beauty of it. You can test your hypothesis with the application. You're not going to walk into any enterprise that has a thousand sellers and several sales leaders. They've been there 25 years. They know in their mind what works and what doesn't. A lot of times they're spot on. So you want to bake that into the product. You want to take their learning and you want to test it. And a lot of times, a lot of it is spot on, but there's also room to optimize. And if you're able to take what they know and bake that in quickly and help them improve and see those incremental improvements, because there is a case that the technology with us has to know that, okay, Bobby's on the phone. So we have a senior stakeholder, the CEO's on the phone. This is a late stage deal. Only present the notifications that are relevant to this particular thing or don't present anything at all. And that's what that technology knows. It knows the stage, it knows the title, it knows about the opportunity, it knows the value. It's able to parse that out because otherwise you're asking a human being to look through all of that. And find it, like, where is that battle card for this specific thing? Impossible, right? <laughs> but that is what's so powerful. It's not just the prospecting stuff. It's we, There are particular patterns to talking to a procurement officer. What do they need, right? You, you know what they need. They need, <laughs> they need to get a little bit of skin, right? Like they need That's some right. of it. So right. guess what? That is handling that differently. It's handling differently when you have an SC on the call or a Salesforce engineer. What you need to know to deal with them is a little bit different. That's a lot, right? It's a lot for a new rep. It's a lot for a senior rep. Mm. That's the kind of support that this technology provides and can continue to provide. Gets better. That's awesome. No, it sounds pretty special, man. And, uh, and, and yeah, I mean, after nine years, you would hope so. You put a lot of time, energy, engineering, effort, late nights, blood, sweat, tears, the whole nine yards. So, uh, that's great. Yeah, but it's a passion. It's a love. I, I mean, I've been spending the last 30 plus years studying communication psychology and the difference is back in the day, you'd prescribe something or an intervention to your couple or your teenager that was sitting there and you never knew whether or not they took that intervention home and tried what you suggested. So I have all these clinical psychology books behind me, right? In my bookshelf. We have the ability to study all of that, plug it into the computer and see if th these theories actually work in real practice. That's what I'm loving, right? Like that's that's the power of communication, connection, relationships, psychology, all of that, and how that impacts businesses. It's awesome, man. I mean, this has been a great conversation. I wanna I wanna catch you on one last thing, um, and this kind of goes back to something you were mentioning at the beginning about our obsession with tools and more and just and it really dragging down sales teams and sales leaders. Um, and, and I think actually it spawns, you know, the software, I think the, the, the good and sort of challenge of software is it's just so out there now. There's so many tools for so many things that mm -hmm. um, at least in the enterprise selling that I've done, there's, there's always this kind of elephant in the room that like um, the people buying the software maybe have some scar tissue because they bought some software that sits on the shelf. Uh, or they, they didn't deliver the outcomes that they that they had hoped for. So they're maybe a little scared this time around. I've experienced it where I've gone through a full sales cycle, like spent a ton of hours, a ton of negotiation, been beat down on price, given away tons of access. And then again, same thing happens. It sits on yep. the shelf. 
And so with me in my current role as head of sales, like I'm, I'm very, very focused not on just getting the deal done on making certain I set it up for success as best that I can. Yeah. Um, so curious, just your experience with that, either um, internally at, at, at revenue.io and, um, and sort of your customers or on behalf of your customers, right? Like helping them improve their sales to the level that their projects end up, their customer projects end up being more successful. Well, lots to unpack there in a couple of minutes, but I know, I know, but I, I, I really wanted to get the bottom of this a little bit. You're right. Buyers are burnt and, and technology without process tends to fail. Um, I also think making big bets without having the ability to test something. So I'm a big believer in proof of concept. Our best customers do proof of concept. Give us a few weeks, plug this thing in, implement it quickly. You're either going to get the value out of it or you're not. I don't want to waste people's time. If this isn't the right technology, why would I want to have a customer that I spent a lot of time, energy and money onboarding, implementing and acquiring, and they're going to churn in a year? That's ridiculous, right? That's a lose-lose for everybody. So you want to work with a company that believes in their product enough to give you a proof of concept with a short ROI, right? So yes, I'm going to, I'm going to invest a few weeks in you because I believe in what you've said. I'm skeptical, but you still got to prove it to me. So that's what I look for. And I think we're moving in that direction, more of the product-led growth. Like you want people to experience it, enjoy it, love it. If your reps aren't going to love it, you're not going to get any value out of it. You're going to waste a lot of money and piss a lot of people off. You don't want to piss off your reps. No, no. <laughs> and, and, and I'm really glad you put it like that, man. It, it, uh, you know, what, what I've found works really well is just transparency and candor. Yes. In exactly the way that you said, yes. like, hey, it doesn't do any of us any good for you to sign up for a year contract, want to churn in six months. Like that's going to be painful on all sides. Not only painful, guess what? We're every, I'm a buyer. Every buyer is also a journalist this, these days. We go and <laughs> review stuff. We go to G2. Like you, you're not only going to lose that revenue, somebody's going to be a mouthpiece for dissatisfaction. That's the last thing you want. Right. Don't sell to the wrong customer. That's painful. Mm, yeah. yeah. Learn to say no. <laughs> right? Well said, man. All right. Well, we're coming up on time. You, you're, you've just been such a blast to hang out with, man. The energy is infectious. I, I think, again, I told you I didn't sleep very well and now I'm all fired up. I'm just going to go make some sales calls. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Love being here. I always love spending time with you, Bobby. I always learn you are a phenomenal interviewer, just like you are a sales trainer, coach, and, and mentor. So thank you for inviting me on. Of course, man. We'll do it again soon. Awesome. If you enjoyed today's show, please go and support it by subscribing and leaving a review on iTunes. You can also subscribe to the Quotalist weekly newsletter by going to Quotalist.io. Remember, when you embrace practice, develop awareness, and align your efforts, you can rise above the deal. You can live Quotalist.